Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research 17.5. This mini episode is sort of a coda or offshoot of our previous episode on Sweden's Afflicted. We were listening to a piece of a song called Rising to the Sun, and Hunter mentioned that he was reminded of some other passage by another band later in the episode, mentioned that it was probably Solofald. And the whole time I was thinking that I might have also heard another passage by another band who wasn't Solofold. So we decided to dig around a little bit. And uh, sure enough, it turns out that your choice, Hunter, was indeed Solofold. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, like in listening to that, um, Jeff had actually suggested that I lead us out of the, uh, the clip. But I was so distracted by what I heard and uh, by its resonance that I really didn't have anything else to say except that it reminded me of another band. And it did. It reminded me like so much of Solifold's philosophical revolt from their first album, uh, The Linear Scaffold. I, yeah, it's this very like spectral guitar passage, very haunting. But it turns out that it, it's sort of a thread throughout 90s metal because Jeff identified another passage in a mid-90s European metal album um, that's remarkably similar to it on My Dying Bride's The Cry of Mankind, which I, I think you and I can agree is one of our favorite My Dying Bride songs. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Yeah. Angel in the Dark River, a uh, high point in their career, though there are many peaks in that band's career. Though I should say there are many peaks in that band's 90s career, as far as we're concerned. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think yeah. that's where that's where it resides. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to listen to like Rising of the Sun, that little part. We're going to listen to that little part of Cry of Mankind. We're going to listen to that little part from Philosophical Revolt and just have a little fun with it and see if uh, you listeners out there are hearing the same things that we are. So Hunter, I think your choice was maybe a little closer. Cry of Mankind's a bit slower, kind of more deliberate in a sense. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So it's really funny because like people listen to music as much as we do, and and uh, I'm sure all of our listeners are exactly like that. Have probably like done that thing where you're like listening along to something and going, "Oh my God, that sounds just like this." You know, I think the question is like, is it ripoff or is it coincidence? I tend to sort of think that it's usually just coincidence. There are only so many notes and, and, and bands uh, share influences. They share instincts. So yeah, I, I don't think that it's a matter of people ripping each other off. I, I think it's just a, a matter of, you know, kind of shared influence and shared genetic material. Just uncanny sort of resemblances, basically. I, but we've got a couple examples of riffs that are much, much closer to one another and, and probably a, just a little bit more suspect in their originality. And I mean, at least... One, one is incredibly suspect. <laughs> right. Um, the first one we'll play, it, it, it's very close to an older classic and sounds like it certainly could have been an influence. That is um, uh, Bathory's Home of Once Brave having a part in it that sounds quite a bit like uh, Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls. Obviously, Metallica's version came out uh, like six years prior to, to ba the Bathory song. Uh, we're going to listen to those back to back and, and see what you think. Oh. 
What do you think, Hunter? I, one, I think that I love how both of those albums have such um, atmospheric production qualities. Yeah, um, you know, those are, those are definitely albums defined as much by production as anything else. I agree. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're not tit for tat, um, but uh, it's obvious that, you know, I mean, like that era of, of Bathory um, is an homage to a lot of things, to a lot of epic metal, obviously. Manowar being a big influence, but, yes. you know, Porthon, I, I think, was definitely um, – in sort of a reverence period for uh, metals, some of metals more um, epic and, and, and atmospheric moments. And, you know, he was obviously influenced by Metallica and it seemed like he was kind of reaching, you know, Bathory was always, there's always been kind of a, a referential quality, like, especially like in the first two Bathory records. And then Corthon goes on sort of this like visionary trek on albums three and four, where he's kind of like inventing something of his own. Yeah, and and then on on Hammerheart, it, it's still I mean it's still an event of record, and it's still um, a record that um, that reeks of you know Quarthon's very very unique personality. But he's obviously sort of looking. It, it's a, a more retrospective record in a lot of ways, and he's looking back at some of the, these earlier like more conspicuously epic metal albums and metal moments. And I, I mean I, I think you hear that in this this song. Totally. I agree with everything you say. There's not much I can add to it. I can embellish a little bit just um, in the sense of if you look at the bookends of his prime era, I always call Bathory him because to me, it's, yeah, it's, it's him. Yeah. essentially been a solo pursuit. You know, the early stuff obviously had a very Venom-esque quality and he, he, he would make claims that he had never heard Venom when he recorded the first album, but he was also a guy that was known to do a lot of smoke and mirrors and just sort of like plant seeds of legend and deception along the way right. uh, to kind of build his thing. And I, and I think as long as he was Quarthon of Bathory, it was okay that he did that because it was amazing stuff. I mean, I, I like Bathory probably 20 times more than I like Venom with all the respect to Venom. Oh yeah, sure. So do I love Venom, but, um, um, and then, you know, on the other side of, of his kind of peak period, Hammerheart and Twilight of the Gods, you know, you're right about the Manowar thing, of course, the Metallica thing. There are other bits of metal that are in there that you can tell he was kind of, you know, inspired by at the time, but also uh, Richard Wagner, the composer. He, he made no secret of the fact that he, he loved that guy and was um, really inspired by his music as well. Well, and, I mean, and Wagner and, and Mahler were both huge influences on a lot of like black metal bands that would follow Bathory, that sure, you know, sure. bombast in the atmosphere. So he wasn't afraid of, of showing a little bit of influence, even if he may not have wanted to admit it. Now we're going to jump on to the next uh, and final comparison for this little 17.5. I think this has become kind of fun for the little 0.5s that we've done so far in that we're hearing, uh, you know, you heard calling Dr. Love over a series of four nuclear death zones. <laughs> so if anybody hasn't heard that, that's uh, Radical Research 5.5. But this is what we do in this, and I, and I think it'd be fun to continue in the future because there are a lot more. We'll be listening out for them as we listen. But um, this particular one, we're going to listen to Angel Witch's Angel of Death from their amazing, amazing 1980 debut, Angel Witch. And we're going to segue into a song by Manila Road from their Crystal Logic album called Dreams of Eschaton. This comparison will speak for itself. We'll come <laughs> back and uh, marvel at the similarity.
Yeah. Okay. So love, love Manila Road. I have all the respect in the world for Mark Shelton. May he rest in peace. Who do I? Fantastic human being. But. Amazing composer, but come on. <laughs> this is a cover, basically. Yeah, that riff, that riff is exactly Angel Witch's Angel of Death. I mean. It's, it's in the same key, basically the same tempo. The rhythm is swung in exactly the same way. It's, I mean, it literally, it's a facsimile of Angel Witch's riff. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and it, it can be pretty much surmised that Mark Shelton must have been a big Angel Witch fan at the time. I think, I think most guys getting into creating their own sort of metal at that time in that vein uh, were absolutely taken by Angel Witch. I mean, I know the guys in Hellstar were. I know the guys in Candlemass were. So uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if, if that wasn't just sort of like on his brain, even, even if it was, if it was sub, kind of a subliminal thing. Like yeah. didn't realize maybe that that was Angel Witch's Angel of Death, but uh, it's there and it's obvious and it's um, pretty damn close to ripoff. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, still Mark Shelton, we salute you. Always, always. Well, thank you for listening to 17.5. We'll be back with episode 18 on Grobschnitt in one week. <laughs> <laughs>